25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right. Welcome back. Hour two, just getting started with you. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everybody? Listening on the radio, 105.9 ESPN, The Zone, Jackson Central, Mississippi. Big booming signal around there. Hope y'all are off to a uh, good start here on your Tuesday. Y'all can call me. Y'all can text. Love to hear from you. Show is always better when we get to hear from you, hear other voices other than just mine. Beaver's here. That's important. He's driving this bus. Going to get you home safely in your driveway in about an hour from right now. Y'all text me at uh, 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number. 885-ESPN. Text the show. Probably read it on the air. Y'all can call me on the Divinity phone, 601-995-1059. 995-1059. Beaver, I found a Debbie Downer. Well, I don't know if that's what the right... Well, what, somebody that does this kind of thing, uh, what do you call it? It's um, They're a killjoy, they're a kind of buzzkill. Well, anyway, let me give you the example. Beaver, you're an Alabama fan. You can appreciate this. I posted on my Facebook page this morning a quote from Bear Bryant. I got in the mail, this guy who's an author, he's written some books down in uh, in Florida, and I got in the mail a couple of books, one that I knew I was getting, and one was a bonus. The bonus book was a book of quotes, SEC quotes, from famous people from every SEC school. Well, if you open up to the first one, Alabama, there's obviously a lot of Bear Bryant stuff in there. And so I posted this quote. The Bear Bryant quote is, it's a lot better to be seen than heard. The sun is the most powerful thing I know of, and it doesn't make much noise. So I'm reading that. I'm really curious about that quote. I'm thinking, hmm, it's better to be seen than not heard. Well, I don't know if that's good for somebody who's on the radio. You know, we're on the radio. But Beaver... Listen to what the first response I got on that was. The first comment. From someone named Tyler who said, Actually, the sun is very loud. Sound just doesn't travel through space. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Now, Beaver, I got two questions. One, is that true? Two, what do we call a person who does that kind of thing? Oh, let's see. Is it true? I... I can't say that it is, but who comes out and says, oh, the sun is loud. Now, what do we call that person? Oh, man. <laughs> what, so many things. What do we call them on the radio? Let's put it that way. <laughs> I call them a jank hole. <laughs> uh, 
you know, we started hour one with this term butthurt <clears throat> that I needed an explanation. And now Beaver's coming here and said, <laughs> Beaver has come in here and said on the radio that we call this person a jank hole. <laughs> Beaver, dad gum you. <clears throat> well, there were responses. Tyler said, actually, the sun's very loud. Sound just doesn't travel through space. Man, man, man. Jake, somebody else, not Jake Wimberly, another Jake responded on Facebook and said, well, how do we know it's loud then? If, if sound doesn't travel through space. Tyler said, technology and physics. Jake said, can our technology actually hear it? <laughs> I mean, that right there. I think, you know, the quote is, is a great qu quote from Bear Bryant. It's a lot better to be seen than heard. The sun is the most powerful thing I know of, and it doesn't make much noise. It's a great quote. We all get the connotation. And all it takes is one person in the comments section to go, well, actually, the sun's very loud. Sound just doesn't travel through space. Come on, man. Just get the point of the quote, and let's move on. I mean... Don't be that guy. Have you ever heard of somebody say, like, that guy? Don't be that guy. That's what we're talking about right there. <laughs> That's what we're talking about right there is don't be that guy. All right, I'm going to be that guy right now and totally switch it over to baseball. Let's do it. So tomorrow begins the 2020 Major League Draft, but it ain't much of one. <clears throat> it's only going to be five rounds. It's only going to be, you know, a few players, therefore. And what does it mean for college baseball? Let's talk about it now with Scott Foxhall, assistant coach, pitching coach for Mississippi State Baseball, on the Divinity Equipment phone line on your radio right now. Coach Foxhall, I appreciate a little time here on a Tuesday. And I mean, I would imagine with this abbreviated draft, like you and every other coach in the country is really going to be paying close attention tomorrow. Am I right about that? We are, Matt. How are you doing? Very, very good to be on with you today. Um, we are. It's uh, it's not the exact analogy, but it's almost like uh, Christmas morning because you, you, after the draft, you figure out exactly what you're going to have um, for next year. So um, we're definitely anxiously awaiting it to see what it makes our ball club look like um, next year. And we're also um, excited for some of our um, current players that are that are um, going to get a, a great opportunity, and, and we are certainly supportive of them and, and uh, excited for them as this thing unfolds. So with five rounds, you know, I guess, Scott, it was probably two, three weeks ago when I first talked about it with uh, Coach Lamonis. And at that time, you know, there's a few answers still and kind of an idea of what it was going to mean for college baseball. As we're sitting here the day before the draft, simple, very broad question, though. This abbreviated draft, what do you believe is going to be the, the most obvious effect on college baseball and on rosters like yours when we see it next spring? 
Well, I think the most obvious one is going to be um, the, the 2021 season for college baseball. I think there's going to be more talent in the, in the college ranks than there has been in a long, long time. I think that's going to be the, the first effect of it, for sure. Well, and so when you have all the, um, you know, what guys who would have been drafted who are on a roster, then the next question becomes like trying to project what does it put you through as a coach in terms of juggling that roster? Is that something that um, is like a point of anxiousness right now throughout the coaching ranks in college baseball, knowing you're going to have so many more guys and figuring out a way to play them all? Uh, I think it's it's definitely going to be um, something that's going to be a little different. Um, all the talent influx is coming with next year and all the talent returning that you would have normally expected to be gone so um yeah i I think it's going to be different i don't know if we're anxious i think it's just going to be different um i think that you might see the games managed a little bit differently when you when you have um a a deeper roster then uh you can manage the pitching a little bit differently um you, you might be able to um have enough players and in some programs that hadn't in the past, they might platoon a little bit more righty lefty in, in the lineup. You, you might see more defensive replacements and um, just just more um, more strategy um, involved in, in managing the game because you have a lot more a lot more talented pieces. So you know, in, in the mm-hmm. past, you wouldn't want to take out a talented player because the one behind him that you have to put in. Um, you know, if you use a pinch runner or, um, you know, or the, the bullpen, then the, the ones coming behind the, the, the star weren't as good. Now you might have, um, have it to where there's not big, a, a big a drop off or any drop off between who you're putting in and, and who you're taking out. Sure. It's really fascinating, you know, for, uh, us as fans kind of on the outside looking in to, to try to peer ahead and see what that's going to look like. But, one thing I do know, too, is that for fans, it's fun to see guys that we've watched in the college uniform go and have a chance at pro baseball. What can you tell us, uh, Coach Foxhall, about JT Ginn and, and kind of what you expect to see happen for him tomorrow? Well, I don't think um, anybody knows exactly what's going to happen, even JT. We talked to him a little while ago. Um, what we do know is that and JT is one of the best pitchers in college baseball, and it—he it, just had a little speed bump um, with with this um, injury that he had, but he'll be back. And, and I think that um, what the draft is about is they're trying to um, draft the most talented players, hmm. and JT is certainly one of the most talented players. So um, I, I know I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, you know, it, it's such a whirlwind when it starts, and um, JT, I'm sure, has a, a decent idea of, of what he wants to do, but he's in a good spot either way. If, if he um, feels like it's the best opportunity for him tomorrow, then um, I know he's ready to be a professional pitcher um, as far as his ability and makeup and character and work ethic, um, but if he... If he decides to come back to Mississippi State, he's in a good spot too because he loves it here. And and, uh, and if he feels like the best thing to do is to come back because he's got um, a little bit more to prove or he didn't get the exact opportunity that he wanted, then um, 
we're certainly welcoming back with open arms, and, and he's in a good spot. So I think JT, like I said, we talked to him a little while ago, and he's in a really good spot because um, he's he's confident, and we're confident that he is a major league player. Um, the neat thing for him is he just gets to pick his path, and and if if um, the path is right tomorrow, then he'll take it, and if it's not, he'll he'll wait on the the path next year. Scott Foxhall on your radio right now, pitching coach, assistant coach at Mississippi State. We were talking with Coach Gotro yesterday. I posed the same question to him uh, that that I wanted to ask you, and that is how you approach conversations with high school players, high school recruits, signees, commitments, who are big-time draft prospects as well, whether it's you know, advice on making that decision if they ask for it and how you kind of handle those conversations with high-end high school prospects in regards to making that decision of, you know, I go or I come to college? Well, we have to deal – I mean, we're very fortunate that we have to deal with it in, with almost um, the, majority, well, the majority of the recruits that we have here at Mississippi State since it's uh, such a great baseball school and tradition. Um, but – we we try first of all we try to in the recruiting process we're we're trying to ask that before they're committed here that they're serious about um, this option of school and and if they if they do turn down this option of school it would be for the opportunity of a lifetime um, which is different for some for different families but most of the time that's a a dollar figure that's um you know in the in the first couple of rounds of the draft so um, we know going in that it's it's usually families and players that are, are very serious about college and um, the academic part of it and the development part of, of being a college baseball player. And we just, you know, Coach Lamonis has the, the best line, I, I feel like, and it's, it's not really a line, it's the truth, but we tell most of the guys that, um, hey, you can be drafted multiple times, but you only sign one. And that's true, and and so you have to be careful the time that you sign, um, because uh, a lot of these guys are in the draft multiple times. You know, coming out of high school, maybe maybe their junior year of college, and sometimes if they come back, like Jake Mangum after their junior year of college, and after your senior year of college, I guess Jake was after his sophomore, junior, and senior year. He's he's a little unique, but um, Jake Mangum's a, a perfect example. He was drafted multiple times, but you only sign once. You better be sure that you're ready to make your run um, in pro ball, which means you got to feel like you're completely prepared because once you go into pro ball, it's a business and you're either on your way up or you're on your way out in pro ball. And that, that's just the, the bottom line of it, the business part of baseball. So you want to feel like you're really prepared. And we feel like college baseball is the ultimate preparation for professional baseball. So um, that's our big selling point at Mississippi State is that um, a lot of the guys that we, uh, again, the majority of the guys that we recruit here, we think have the potential to be major leaguers. Uh, we just think their path to the major leagues is best through Mississippi State. So that, that's how we handle it with most of the guys, Matt. Scott Fox on your radio. And, and Scott, you know, um, I was uh, reading this weekend, I guess it was, about one kid who's uh, made the decision, all right, Kellum Clark from JA, uh, right. R- right here in the area. And he decides – He's going to go on to, to school. I was talking with Jake about him yesterday, and I kind of got into, like, how do you 
make the decision of is a guy going to be a position player hitter or is he going to pitch if he's capable of doing both? Because there are only so many Tim Hudson's that come down the pipe, you know. And and so for you on the pitching side of it, what's that like when a player like him is is coming in and you're getting prepared to, well, you know, he may be a pitcher, he may be a position player, maybe both. And how do you decide that as a coach? Well, that's like I said with that analogy. That's like getting a good present on Christmas right. morning. It's a, it is a, it's a good problem to have. But he, he, um, you know, what we'll try to do is make sure we don't overwhelm him the the first fall. Um, a lot of it will depend on what our roster looks like after this draft and and after the the dust settles with the the roster stuff this summer to see, um, you know, where there's um, an immediate need. Um, on our team, um, it might be that because we had five, you know, we have five of the seniors that get their return for another year, um, and they were all pitchers. Mm-hmm. So it might be that this next year that that um, Kellum's in a situation where you know we we don't have to use him as much um, pitching wise, and he can concentrate on the hitting. And then down the road, it might evolve into more of a two way, um, or we might use him more more as a pitcher as our roster changes and, and the roles of the, the people on our roster um, change. That's interesting to me, too, how, um, you know, I, I think what I did with Jake yesterday is I, I had the football analogy. I know football is so different, but I can remember hearing conversations between the offensive and defensive coaches sometimes about, you know, a guy needs to be a receiver. No, he doesn't. He needs to be a DB. He needs to be over there with me, <laughs> you know, and I would hear those in high school a lot. Also, and and I guess as I hear you talk, Coach, I, I'm reminded that baseball is so different um, in that there there are some guys they don't have to really make that declaration of this is what I am, this is the cookie cutter that I am the day they leave high school. In baseball, they don't have to do that, do they? They don't right now. He's he's got time, um, and and uh, sometimes it it. Uh, Sometimes even it ends up that they get all the way to pro ball and they switch in pro ball. It, it just it just depends. It, it is a little different. And I, I'll say to go back to your football. Um, that that that's interesting that you said the DB and the wide receiver. I think at Mississippi State now they're making all of them wide receivers. <laughs> I think that's what's gonna. I think I don't think it's gonna be an issue anymore. That's right. <laughs> that's not gonna be a debate. I think it's it um, like you've been reading the tea leaves just like we have. I think. <laughs> the best athletes are the wide receivers. That's what I hear. That's right. But, That's the way um, it looks. But um, but uh, we uh, we're, we're he is a talent both ways. So we're we're um we're excited, and and a lot of our guys are talented both ways. They are they are both um they are both um good on the mound and good hitters, and that's um that's just the. The luxury, like I said, of being at Mississippi State, we we had the uh, the good fortune of having a lot of good two way guys here. So sure. um, it'll be it'll be fun to see. The only thing I, I hope that happens is we we hope that it's contagious. We hope that uh, that some of our other guys would would decide. But right now, we've only had one that decided that uh, the draft wasn't for him this year. Sure, uh, Coach. Real quick, got about a minute left. Uh, just curious, when are some workouts and and some actual workouts and team stuff? going to begin do you know yet from a baseball perspective we don't know that yet okay. we're um you know i think that uh football and basketball are are um 
kind of the first wave and, and they're, they, uh, in, in a way we're grateful for that. Um, obviously their seasons come before us and, and we want to get those things up and rolling for them, but also they are, um, they're the pioneers, um, right now of, of what we're, what the new normal is and, and getting guys back to campus and, and, uh, making sure everybody's safe and healthy and, and, uh, we're doing things the right way, um, uh, in this in this new world that we're living in, so we're we're kind of letting the first wave come through here, and then I think that um, we have all the faith in our administration that they're making the right decisions, and and we'll be shortly after, but we don't have a definitive date right now. Okay, great. Well, listen, I really do appreciate the time. I can't wait to watch this draft unfold tomorrow. It's been fun to talk to you today, Coach, and can't say thanks enough. Hope to get to talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Yep, that's Scott. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Scott Foxhall, pitching coach, Mississippi State assistant coach. And, you know, they talked to – he told us that they talked to JT again this morning. Um, You know, and by all indications, you you saw Baseball America yesterday put out a thing. JT again is the number one rated prospect in the state of Mississippi for this year's draft. Uh, You heard Coach Foxhall. We – we believe he's a pro player, and you almost say that with a smile because guess what? Everybody believes that, and he just had this little bump in the road from the injury standpoint. But you never know how it's going to play out, and nobody's ever seen a five-round Major League draft before, so you got to tune in to see. And, you know, Foxhall and Lamonis and Gotro and... Bianco and Barry and all those guys are doing just what we will be doing tomorrow. Is watching going, what's this going to look like? Kind of like the NFL draft. It's all new. Hope you enjoyed that. Just getting started. Hour two. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. I just want to say, for the record, so that Beaver and everybody else can hear me say it on the air, that earlier today I uh, came into my studio here. I hit the button, made the connection. I had to leave to you know go do some stuff and then come back. But at that point when I connected it, I heard Chris Brooks basically accuse Beaver of like backstabbing all the hosts that he works with here on the show. Mm-hmm. That's basically what Chris accused you of, Beaver. It is. He basically accused you of, like, when you're on Chris's show, you're nice to Chris and you pick on Jake. When you're on Jake's doing, you know, when I say on, you're when you're doing Jake's show... You pick on Chris or me. You know what I'm saying? When you're on my show, you pick on Chris. He basically accused you of being a backstabber. Yeah, he did. Now, here are the facts. Okay. When I'm on Chris's show, I do talk about Jake, but I also talk about Chris to his face. <laughs> when I'm on Jake's show, yeah, I talk about Chris, but I also talk about Jake to his face. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm on your show, I'll talk about everybody, but yeah. I've also said something about you 
to your ears. Yes, right. Because I can't see your face. Right. Thankfully. Yeah, for there's your no, sake. I mean, it's not like there's some, you know, mm-hmm. dark me lurking behind corners. And I see, here's here's Jake walking in the door right now. He just went and got his hair styled for the second time in three days. <laughs> Tell Boom. the truth. Did he, he really? Is. Did he really he, do that? No, he. Uh, oh, okay. I, no, we exaggerate because Jake loves his hair. He loves it. If I had hair like that, I'd love it too. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I'd be feeling of it all the time. I'd be one of those jerks who every time he walks in front of the mirror, he can't help but look at himself. Right. I used to work with this guy on a previous radio show. The guy could not walk by a mirror without stopping and like checking himself out. So it was weird. Jake's not to that point, is he? No, 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 no. I just think if I had Jake's hair, I might do that. And and so I'm kind of thankful I don't have it. You know? (laughs) Look, I just want to, Chris Brooks, wherever you are, I just want to say this. You, um, You accused Beaver of being a backstabber. I heard it, and it was inappropriate. Okay. Because number one, it's not really accurate. But number two, um, that's it. I mean, it's not backstabbing if Beaver also does it to your face, which I think I've heard examples of that and, you know, and everything. And Chris, this is the overall thing. As long as it's entertaining, then none of us should really care. (laughs) Okay. Including you. And in my opinion, when Beaver does kind of pick on you, Chris, or me, or Jake. It's entertaining. And that's all I want. All I want is to be entertained. Beaver, for instance, all he wants is convenience. He wants everything to be convenient. He'll tell you that. He'll take the convenient route over, in some cases, even the better route. He just wants it to be convenient. I want to be entertained. I will take the entertaining route. You could say anything about me, but if it's funny... I'll laugh. I just want to laugh more. And if we get that out of Beaver, we shouldn't be, Chris, discouraging that is all I'm saying. So some of y'all tell Chris, stop discouraging Beaver from being who he is on the air. Chris even turned on me today. Before that, I don't know if you heard that. We were having ourselves a, a nice... We were joking about, that's what started it, Jake's hair, because he came in and he said, I'm about to go get a haircut. And so we started joking about that, and that led us to playing just a bunch of clips of Jake's, you know. Heard it. Unfortunate. Loved it. You heard that. Okay. Okay. So then we're coming back, and we're talking about it, and we're laughing about, oh, Jake loves his hair so much, all this stuff. And then Chris turns on me and goes, he's got great hair. I can't let you talk about him. I know. I'm like, dude, we ju- you were just talking about him. I know it. He you he was just doing it. And then when you chimed in, he turned on you. I mean, Chris, I don't know what you had in your coffee this morning, man, but don't have it again. Okay, so we're laying down the rules here. Chris, no more discouraging beaver. He's, he's he's the best thing we have going, okay? No more discouraging him. Uh, we talked about peaches earlier, Maroon Stallion. I favor Chilton County peaches. They are world famous. They come from Chilton County, Alabama. 
Maroon Stallion said, nothing is as good as a Mackinac peach. All right, time out, Maroon Stallion. Number one, I don't know if I've ever had a Mackinac peach or not. Don't know. Have no idea. Number two, it's a big thing to say that nothing is as good as a Mackinac peach. Nothing, by definition. Let's be careful here. And thirdly, if Chilton County peaches are world famous for how good they are, don't come at me with some peach that we don't even know what it is or have very few people even heard of a Mackinac peach. What is a Mackinac peach? Oh, Matt, Matt Wyatt, I've got to jump in. Got to give this Maroon Stallion character credit. The Mackinac peach is a fictional peach from an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, oh, is that the one that um, Kramer, he kept going on and on about how good they were? Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. a Mackinac peach. Also, side note, I, until today, what is this peach you keep speaking of? Chilton County peaches. Today's the first time I've heard of one. Um, I would I would like to request one if yes. you have any. Well, Or if you're going to get any. Yeah, I'll get some. And here's the thing. Okay, they come from Chilton County, Alabama. Clanton, Alabama. That's where my dad is from. Uh, my mother is from Chilton County, Maplesville, a little community outside of Clanton. And uh, they all, you know, these, these peaches there, I don't know why they're great, but they're just known for it. In fact, Beaver, many people in the state of Mississippi will know this. When you travel, let's say you go like to Gulf Shores and depending on where you live, let's say you travel there by going through Alabama, you go down I-65, the big interstate in Alabama, Mm -hmm. as it goes through south of Birmingham, about 45 miles to 50 miles south of Birmingham on I-65, traveling south, you enter Chilton County, and at the Lay Dam exit, Lay Dam is the name of the dam over there on the Coosa River uh, that creates Lay Lake, there is a giant water tower right on the interstate that is shaped and painted like a giant peach. It's humongous. And it looks like a real peach. Okay. And uh, in fact, when you see it from a certain angle, you know how a peach has a crease on one side? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody who's ever peeled a peach knows you get to that little crease and it's harder to peel it right there. Beaver, you know what I'm talking about? The crease on the peach. Well, that, friends, if you see that crease on the peach water tower on I-65 South in Chilton County, Alabama, you know that it looks like a giant rear end mooning you as you go down the interstate. You see it from the right angle. Famous for peaches, even have a water tower. That's all I'm going to say about that. Sell them worldwide. Somebody get Beaver some Chilton County peaches so he'll know. I think this is Magnolia Rebel Fan who called in yesterday, and when he was done, we said, now that's a voice. We need that voice to, like, cut up a commercial or two for us. I think this is the same guy. Magnolia Rebel Fan on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up? It's the same guy, buddy. What do you think about that? Uh, do you, uh, have you, I'm, I'm you, calling in about this Chris deal. Okay, help me out. I listen to, I listen to Beaver all day long. And Chris has a bro jealousy or something, I believe. Because mm-hmm. he brings you up on his show all the time trying to pick stuff out of Beaver. 
<laughs> okay, wait a minute. You're saying that Chris brings me up on the show and then tries to get Beaver? He brings you up all the time on the show. I think today he even said something about, they were talking about Tombstone movie or something. I think he said, I bet Matt hadn't seen it or, or Matt seen it. One or the other, you know, just like yesterday, it was about to darn what you eat on your uh, hash browns. Waffle House. Yeah. Hash browns, you know. So <laughs> he's always bringing you up. Beaver's not the one. He's just sitting there agreeing with all of them. He's the man. <laughs> <laughs> he is the man. I know that much. Well, um, he's the go to guy. Go through. <laughs> hey, uh, Magnolia Rebel fan, let me ask you. We used to have a guy who yep. used to. We used to have a guy who used to call us named Hank, uh, who yeah. was who was an LSU fan. Y'all don't know each other, do you? Right. No, you know I'm actually I'm true old Miss fan, but the Magnolia comes from. I went to I born in Magnolia, Mississippi. Went to Magnolia Academy in Jackson, and um, it just okay. The, LSU fans are fine people. Just don't go down there. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate the call, Magnolia. Thanks for calling. Talk to you soon. Love you, show. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> that is great. I am definitely going to need the audio from Magnolia. LSU folks are fine people. Just don't go down there. <laughs> uh, Y'all stick around. just popping all over the place uh let's see here i got a text on the country please and text line country please and sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast you need to look for it look for it and if you don't see it find someone who works there and go country please and please listen i'm telling you it's the best it's the best sausage you've ever put in your mouth period it's the best Made right here in Mississippi. A.J. in Clanton, Alabama, the county seat, Chilton County, where the peaches come from. A.J. said, I'm still so disappointed and sad that we didn't get to enjoy Foscue, Westy, and others play their final season with the M over S. And it is. It is disappointing that you, you know, for fans of all schools around the country, you didn't get to see those guys finish it out. You know, you think about Ole Miss fans. They were off to a great start. They were setting like a record pace for home runs and all kinds of stuff. And it just, there, there it goes. Sometimes life is not at all fair, is it? Hey, and tip, I want you to know, you tweeted it to me and you also texted the text line. It is a very interesting article here on ESPN. And I appreciate the link. They ranked the college football coaching jobs in tiers 
uh, well, that's the wrong wording. It sounds like they were crying while they did it. What I'm saying is they, uh, college football coaching job tiers, T-I-E-R-S, like Alabama, Texas, USC are among the most appealing jobs in the country. And I'm going to read through this. It's really long and thorough. I'm going to read through it. We may get into it in tomorrow's show. Tip, I appreciate you sending me the link. First up, though, Mountain Dog, hanging on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Mountain Dog, it's been a while. Thanks for calling. What's up? Yeah, man. What's up, brother? I actually uh, listened to you listened to you more when I lived in Jackson than when I do when I'm living in Tupelo in the same hometown <laughs> but i did start i did start listening to your daily devotional every day and it just confirmed one thing that i already knew you definitely have a face for radio <laughs> that's the way it works that's the way it works man we normally we normally are going to kind of gravitate where we uh to wherever we fit you know mountain dog so yeah i, I gravitated towards radio a long time ago you know, the biggest problem I have right now is my wife wants me to wear my mask all the time. <laughs> she says the best I've looked in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> hey, hey, brother, real quickly, uh, Mr. Shavers, the new transfer from Alabama. Yeah. I'm, and I know that you've probably already covered this because you have your hand on the pulse of all things related to sports. But... Uh, does he have one or two years to play? I am under the impression he has two years to play. Okay. That, I don't understand that if he's a grad transfer. Well, I don't understand it either. That's my thing is, and that's why I even, when we were talking about it in hour one, Mountain Dog, I threw in this caveat. I go, well, I don't understand all the transfer rules because I'm going, well, if he's a grad transfer, how does he have two years? But I guess... Uh, it's a deal where you could potentially get your degree in three years, and one of those three years while you were on campus, you redshirted. So you only burned two. So you're a grad transfer with your degree in hand because you hurried up and got it in three years, but you have two years on the field left. That's the only way I could think that it would work. Hey, brother, I'll take it every day. Yeah, sure. All right, man. Yeah. So good talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Call anytime. Yeah. And, you know, um, if you're just tuning in, we talked about it in hour one. Terrell Shavers, he's a 6'5 uh, receiver, uh, has been in Alabama, signed with Alabama out of high school, didn't play much at Alabama, transferring out to Mississippi State. He was a highly sought after recruit. I think I read where he was one of the top 100 players in the country. Um, coming out of high school. He's from Texas. And so he's going to get a shot to catch passes. And, you know, there is no question that part of this for him has to be that there is a clearer path. There is less competition to fight through to get on the field at receiver at state than there was or would have been at Alabama. That's true. There's no doubt. Uh, it's an immediate opportunity for somebody like him. Uh, and I had this note earlier. Uh, you talk about what Mike Leach and his staff have done to the offensive roster at Mississippi State. Since becoming a head coach, he's added a top 50 prospect in K.J. Costello. 
Uh, Shavers, a top 100 prospect. Scott Lashley out of West Point, a lineman, was a top 150 prospect. That's all in their respective classes per the uh, 24-7 rankings. And they're adding, you know, a 50, a 100, a top 150 into an offense already got Kylan Hill. He's first-team All-SEC running back, Kylan Hill. And a former top 10 prospect nationally, an offensive tackle, Charles Cross, who's already on the roster. So a top 10 tackle, an All-SEC running back, a top 150 prospect tackle, a top 100 prospect receiver, and a top 50 prospect quarterback. They have improved the roster dramatically by adding a few elite players and they are potentially elite. Now, all of that is great and it's you should be excited about every bit of it as a fan. But now that the work is actually beginning, we've reached a point where those things don't mean a whole lot. <laughs> those things now have to come to fruition and it's only done by work and they know that. They know it. But in terms of putting talent on the field, Speed, you got speed at receiver, you got size at receiver, the competition goes up for playing time, the competition goes up at quarterback, competition goes up on the offensive line, therefore everybody's got to be better in order to get playing time, and it's just, it's so much, it, 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 it all feeds off each other. There's this domino effect. All right, ESPN.com. This is merely a tease for tomorrow. Tip sent me uh, the link. Coaching football, uh, coaching jobs in college football according to these tiers. Tier one, great location, excellent access to elite regional national recruits, strong infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. Tier two, very good location and or access to top 300 recruits. Ability to win a national title occasionally. Tier three. Good location, regional recruits, solid facilities, and salary pool for assistance. Uh, adequate fan support. Tier four, recruiting or resource restrictions that make player development a focal point. Strong facilities, but average overall infrastructure. Limitations with fan support. A consistent bowl team. Tier 5, limited recruiting reach. Decent and functional facilities. Some administrative and booster support with realistic expectations. And the occasional 10-win season. Those are your tiers. So I'm not going into all of it, but like, for instance, Tier 1, that's the easiest tier of all of them. It's like five-star recruits. That's easy. Tier 1, Bama, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, USC. Tier 2, Auburn, FSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Texas A&M, Washington. Based on that criteria, there is no way you can have Texas A&M, and Notre Dame in Tier 2. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. None. Based on that criteria, Texas A&M and Notre Dame in Tier 2, just because they haven't done it at A&M, 
But tier one jobs, tier one is great location, excellent access to elite regional national recruits, strong infrastructure, commitment from university, few financial limitations. The only one that says history as a top five program, but everything, nobody's got more resources than Texas A&M. So how are you going to put it in? And, and they're paying their coach as much or more than anybody else in the SEC. How are you going to put them in tier two? I guess just because they haven't been a top five program recently. I guess. But you got them in the same tier as Washington? Washington in tier two? These people at ESPN put Washington in tier two just because they had to go find somebody from the Pac-12. Had to, I guess, to appease them. It makes no sense. Tier three, Miami, Wisconsin, UCLA. Tier four is Arkansas, Cal, Colorado, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Kentucky, Maryland, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Missouri, North Carolina, NC State, Northwestern, Ole Miss, Pitt, Purdue, South Carolina, Texas Tech, Virginia, Washington State, <gasps> West Virginia. Just about everybody, including State and Ole Miss in tier four. And then tier five. There's some job. Hey, we'll look at this tomorrow. There's some schools they put in tier five. In other words, it's a harder place to win than State and Ole Miss. Uh, hmm. We'll see about it. See y'all tomorrow. I'm Matt. For Beaver, for everybody else. See ya.